Every company has breakdowns in their revenue process. Sure thing deals slip into next quarter, competitors creep in and swipe deals away at the last minute, and deals getting single threaded that don't get to power. These are just a few examples of revenue leak, but there are a ton more, and they're preventing your team from reaching their sales targets. That's why I'm such a big fan of Clary's revenue platform. It's the only tool that actually helps leaders take control of their revenue and thrive through any market conditions, especially when things get tough. You can't afford to miss a single detail, but you also can't be leading by gut. Clary combines the science and the art of sales and sales leadership. So go to Clary.com if you want to answer the most important question in your business. Are you going to meet, beat, or miss on revenue? Welcome to the Live Better, Sell Better podcast with your host, Kevin Dorsey of Inside Sales Excellence, the number one Patreon group and YouTube channel for tech sellers and tech sales leaders, where we dive in deep for tactical advice on how to book more meetings, close more deals faster, and lead sales teams to success. But we don't stop there. We also focus on the person in salesperson. We talk about mindset, goals, time management, and so much more. So thank you for listening. And if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash inside sales excellence. Now with that, grab a notepad, get ready, and let's dive into the good stuff. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better, Sell Better podcast. This is your host, Kevin Dorsey, a.k.a. KD. And today we're going to talk about getting more done in less time. We're going to talk about getting more done without running yourself into your ground, into the ground. We're going to talk about working hard and smart because I do not believe in the old analogy of work smarter, not harder. I believe you can do both, and both are actually required in order to get you to where you're trying to go, but harder does not mean longer. Harder does not mean scattered. Harder does not mean running yourself into the ground, and that is why I'm so, so excited to have Ian Koniak on the show with me today. He is the new dean for Enterprise Sales School for Pavilion. He's the founder and president for a sales coaching company and was also one of the top producing sales rep at multiple enterprise companies and roles. And we are going to be diving into them, how to work smarter and harder without burning yourself out at the same time. Ian, my man, welcome to the show. I could not think of anybody better to have this conversation with than you. And I'm so glad we're going to talk about it. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped for it because this is a topic where you'll, you'll hear it get brought up often, right? Time management. You need to better manage your time. But then just like so many other things in sales, we never actually teach people how to do it. We just talk about it. So let's start diving into this a little bit around the idea of like, you know, focus and attention and better managing your time. That topic, where does it take you first? Well, the first thing I think of is the ADHD brain because I fundamentally, in not alone in this, a lot of people in sales have what I call the ADHD brain, which is like mm-hmm. trying to do a lot of things at once, trying to multitask, there's noise coming in, you're just trying to figure it out. And the traditional kind of 
sales route where you start maybe with high activity, high volume, maybe starting BDR. I started going door to door. You have very clear metrics. You have very clear goals. And it's very easy to just work and work and, you know, hustle. And as you evolve in sales career, as you take on bigger strategic accounts, you have a lot more white space and a lot more time available in your calendar. And for many salespeople, that can be very hard to manage, managing the white space. I like to say white space is dead space. So when I think time management, I have a golden rule of time management, which I love what you said, work smarter and harder. But my definition of effective time management, this golden rule is simple. The quality of the time you work determines both the quality and quantity of time you have outside of work. Say that one more time. Say it one more time. The quality of time you work determines both the quality and quantity of time you have outside of work. Uh Okay. And I'll break that down very simply and what it means. If you're working hard in the hours that you're supposed to be working on the right things, you can leave work and be fully present with the people you love because you got the shit done that you needed to get done and you're not carrying it with you to your family, to your friends, to your weekends, to your nights. And you're going to have a heck of a lot more time available because you're working efficiently and you're making a lot more money, which is going to let you do a lot more things and not have to work as much. So mm-hmm. it really is work smarter, not harder, and make sure you're working when you're supposed to on the right thing so that you can free up your headspace for full presence in all other areas of what you're doing in life. Now, one of the things I talked about with my team all the time, right? We had this little, little quote that we'd go through. It's like, you'd be shocked how much work you could get done at work if all you did at work was work. I love it. <laughs> and, and like we joke about it. It's like, y'all, like, I don't want you working at home. I don't want you working on the weekends. But it's like, we don't get the work done at work, which then forces us to do work outside of work which then makes us take our foot off the gas at work and it becomes this game, right? So let's talk about, because that's why I didn't like the work, you know, smarter, not harder. It's like when you're working, work hard, but then apply the smart. So let's go another layer deeper here of like, okay, so what are some tactics or what are some things that have helped you or the teams you've worked with get more done at work, right? Like Uh, to be able to get into that deep work stage. So, so I'm going to give you so many because I, I teach this and I, if there's one thing that, that makes the bigger, biggest difference in someone's sales career, I want to take a step back before I get into tactics. So as part of my sales coaching business, I'm half therapist, half coach. Okay. So people open up to me. And one of the things that I ask them in the very beginning, Katie, is, is how much are you really working during a workday on revenue generating activities? And when I say RGAs, revenue generating activities, what I define that as is two things, very simple, either advancement of pipeline or creation of pipeline. Everything else is noise. Okay. So when I ask that question consistently, what do you think I I get from, from in an eight hour day? What do you think most people tell me in confidence, knowing that I'm not their manager, knowing that, you know, they would never admit this to anyone else. So in confidence, I'm going to say an hour. I get consistently two to four hours. All right. So there's no way it's four, but I'll give them the two. There's no way. (laughs) I'll give them the two. And I say, I say, well, what would happen if you actually worked a full eight hours on revenue generating activities? 
Okay. And, and administrative stuff could be revenue generating. Let's, let, let's not get doing a proposal. Absolutely. It's revenue generating activity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Setting an order to a client to get signed. Of course, that's a revenue. I'm, I'm talking true RGAs and we define it that way. I say, what, what would happen if you were doing that? And they say, I would double, triple my results. I would feel way better. It's because I have distractions and noise and I'm not prioritized. So this is something everybody faces and you're not alone if, if you give that one hour, two hour, three hour, maybe they're being generous and saying four. Um, yeah. but, but frankly, when you work a full day on the right things, okay, and you actually execute what you plan and, and accomplish everything you set out to do, there is no better feeling in the world. And you can sleep well at night because you know you're doing all you can. And I think you and I both live by this principle, and that's why we take so much on and frankly, um, I do it so I feel good. I know if I mess around in the day, at the end of the day, I feel guilty and I'm not present and I just beat myself up and I'm just tired of that. I did that long enough. So I said, okay, this is something I need to work on. I stopped taking Adderall and I started intensely studying time management and applying it and really have spent the better part of the last couple of years since I got off Adderall learning to master these principles. And you never stop learning and, and, and going. So a couple principles I'm going to teach. Number one is you have to set boundaries for the time you work. That's the number one thing I do. Now there's a Parkinson's law. It says that work will expand to to the time allotted. So if you don't have boundaries, you'll work 70, 80 hours a week. And that's just stupid. I don't want someone working that many hours. That that means they have no life and and they're not going to be a cool person because they're not doing other stuff outside of work that's going to make them well-rounded. So fundamentally, If you only give yourself two hours to get something done, you will work way more efficiently. You will work way more focused. And that's why people work well under deadlines or when there's a meeting coming up because, you know, they're finally like forced to do it. So if you can set that boundary every single day for yourself, I think that's a foundation. So for me, my boundaries are eight to six. Okay. So I'm not working after six, no matter what I have left to do, because there's always going to be stuff I didn't get to. I'm stopping at six so I can be present with my family. I also have another boundary from 12 to one. Every day I go in and have lunch with my wife. I work in the back office. I go in and she texts me at 1202. She's like, you coming? So, you know, even, even she, she's on it because she knows that's our sacred time. So by having that lunch hour, it forces me to work super efficiently in the eight to 12 and the one to six. Okay. So that's one technique is really set those boundaries. Now there are going to be times you have some big project or, you know, occasionally you might have to work at night or, you know, a morning. I try and do that when I'm, when it's not interfering with my family. So I'll wake up early on the weekends if I got something big. And by the time I'm done, it's 9am, my family's getting up and, and there's no impact to that. So you know, for the most part, it's eight to six, eight to twelve, and one to six Monday to Friday. Occasionally, if I got stuff on the weekends, I'll do it. But for the most part, that's made me work really efficiently. That's the first thing. So know your boundaries, set your boundaries, and stick to your boundaries. Okay. So actually, um, real quick, I don't want to breeze past that. How do you stick to it? Because I think, like, I don't want to breeze past that because people do this. They'll set a boundary. They'll put it on their calendar. They'll say this, but like when you say boundary. What do you mean? Like, how do you actually stick to that 6 p.m. rule? How do you actually stick to that noon rule? I think the first thing is accountability. So for me, telling my wife that I'm committed to being in the house by six so I can help take care of the kids. We have a, he's a 20, um, 22 months old. So he's yeah. still, you know, he's still a very, very much a toddler. And then a six-year-old, we got young kids and she needs help with cooking and taking care of the kids and nighttime routines and all that. So 
for me telling her I'm going to be from six to nine with you and with the kids and, you know, really six to 10 because my little one goes to bed late, but um, she knows that's a little party animal. He really is. Uh, So, so fundamentally um, that that's key is, is I have that accountability. She can be texting me if it's six Oh five, six, 10, she's like, you coming in. So you're keeping your word, not to yourself, but also to someone else. That's why accountability partners are really, really helpful. I think the, the other thing, to, to stick to the boundaries is you have to have um, consistent routines outside of the boundaries. So for me, if I'm going to start work at eight, but still stick to my morning routine, which is also very important for me in terms of my exercise and getting my personal stuff done in the morning before I start work, um, I need to go to bed by like 11. Okay. So if I'm going to wake up by six, I want to get my seven hours, right? So having those boundaries around when you go to bed, having those boundaries around when you go get up enables you to not be tired, to not be um, ineffective with, with your work hours. Because if you're sleeping four hours, you're not going to work efficiently. So for me, having at least seven hours sleep, making sure I get my exercise in and making sure I have my morning routine allows me to be super efficient with my time because I'm already alert, I'm fired up and I'm energized from what I'm doing in my morning routine. So again, accountability and then really like making sure you're priming yourself so that when those hours hit, you're not taking 30 minutes to get settled for the day. So when I say I start at eight, what I'm really doing at 745, which is my tactic number two, is I'm planning my day. Okay. So I will go through, I use a system, it's called the 12-week year, and it's really simple. I have it here, it looks very busy, but it works for me. I print out basically a weekly scorecard at the beginning of the week, and I do this on a Sunday night or a Monday morning, and I write down, here are my top revenue-generating critical activities for the week, okay? So for me, I'll have 15 things written out, and then I prioritize those from one to 15. So rather than every day trying to figure out what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it and making a ton of decision. I've already done that once in the beginning of the week. So at 7.45 or whenever I start my day, I will look and I will actually look at where I am on my ranking. Maybe I'm number three and number one and two. And then I just pick up on number three, pick up on number five. Now, there's going to be things that come in throughout the day. I'll talk to you about how you deal with those. But fundamentally, you have to plan your week and you got to plan your day. So for me, the act of writing down the critical things I want to do each week ranking them makes it really easy to plan my day and to task block and put those critical things I need to get done in my white space. So literally every minute of the day is accounted for. And a lot of times the the week in some cases where it's a busy week and I only have a little bit of white space. So that makes the decision fatigue, you know, having to figure out what I'm going to do when when there's a two or three hour block in the calendar, completely obsolete. I already know what I'm going to do because I took the time to plan it out. I love that. So I use like Ugg Monk, right? So I've got my daily cards, right? Of like, hey, here, here's my top 10. If there's a top 10, it's like, no, sometimes it's a top five, there's a top six. So like, this is what needs to get done. How do you prioritize? Right? You mentioned that pretty quickly, right? Of like, all right, I've got my 15 things, but I'm also ranking them. Yes. Because I think this is an area that, you know, salespeople struggle with often too, is like, they, they, they maybe they make the list, but they're working on the wrong things. They're not prioritized. So how are you prioritizing those tasks to make sure you're getting the right things done? Yeah, so it's a little different now because I am a full-time entrepreneur, but um, what I typically, what comes first is if I have a big engagement, for example, the, the pavilion, you know, mm-hmm. course that I'm teaching for enterprise sales school, right? If, if I know I'm, I'm teaching that on a Thursday, 
okay? And this goes for any workshop I'm doing or any kind of engagement. I'm always blocking off prep for that particular engagement on the calendar, and that's already blocked off typically a day or two before the actual meeting, right? So prep for upcoming meetings that are on the calendar is typically like it, what I call in the bucket of advancing pipeline or, you know, making sure I'm, I'm performing and showing up for the deals that I have. So advancing pipeline always gets priority versus creating pipeline when you have existing pipeline because deals can go south and frankly, time kills a lot of deals. So for me, it's, it's truly important. If you got a deal, these are things like, setting up the next meeting, getting the contract out, getting the proposal, having the tough conversation, picking up the phone and seeing why they didn't get back to you. I look at my pipeline every single day, okay? And I say, what are the deals, next steps on those deals? And I execute and put those things first, okay? Mm -hmm. After I've done those things, it's all about creating pipelines. So for me, my creation of pipeline is, is, is frankly very different now as a whatever influencer than it is for, you know, than it is for, for being a sales rep. So my mm -hmm. pipeline is make videos. So anyone who follows me on LinkedIn, you'll see the videos and the content are coming out rapidly almost every day. And for me, that's just part of my, what I call my prospecting activity. Cause I know if I create videos and build a brand people, I'm getting inbound for my coaching and for my other, mm -hmm. my businesses. So frankly, that goes on my calendar as consistently a buffer block. So I buffer time for making my videos, for posting them, for commenting on LinkedIn, for responding to DMS, right? That's more creation of pipeline activity. So to keep it super simple, Look at your deals first and do whatever you need to do that advances the deals, but don't run circles. When there's nothing left to do, that's when you move on to creation of pipeline activities. And then third priority is admin stuff. So I have some stack of papers. I don't know if this is going on video or not, but I have a few things I got to go through. This gets pushed off, okay? It's not perfect, but my, my strategy is to automate as much as I can. So everything from scheduling of meetings to um, you know, auto pay in my, in my, um, all my bills to outsourcing my, um, landscaping, my housekeeping, my, you know, nanny care. Like I, I try and make it so I'm fully, um, spending all my time on RGAs versus things that frankly are not high value activities for me. So there's a lot of strategies I do, but generally if I can prioritize something that actually saves me time later, I will take the time to do that now. Okay. So if it's something I need to put like a widget or a plugin or maybe even a keyboard shortcut, like I'm sending the same note on LinkedIn. I, I'm a, I have a wait list right now for, you know, my coaching and I, I'm like, here's the link to the wait list. Make sure you're on it so I can reach out. Like I was finding myself typing that out. I'm like, I'm just put a keyboard shortcut for that. And I did that today. Uh -huh. So things that you can do to like that are repetitive and you see yourself like figure out how to automate those, that those are high priority as well. Cause they're saving you time later and you, you can put that off forever if, if you don't have the right systems in place. So those are kind of the three buckets that I think about is, is like what can, what will save me time later and then uh, what will create pipeline, what will advance the pipeline with number one priority, advanced pipeline, then probably things that will save me time later, then probably creating pipeline, which is just mm -hmm. always you're always doing consistently. Yeah, no, 100%. Now I have keyboard shortcuts for my calendar link, for my emails, for my four different Zooms that I have, for my registration link. I got all of those shortcutted, right? So just nice. like, all right, two letters, pow, pow. There you go. Send it That's off. Like, I'm thinking we're very yeah. similar in this because I saw yeah, your post right. and it's like, it, so, so the other thing I do is I task park. So I genuinely, at the beginning of the day, I have all my white space blocked off 
and, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's really simple. I, I do the stuff that like needs to be done. Like I have a meeting tomorrow. I got to prep for that. I got a customer that needs a contract. I got to set that out. I got an invoice. I got to send out. That's something I should be outsourcing, but I still do some of my invoicing. So I send that invoice out. Right. So things that are like getting the money, getting the money, getting the money, those come first. And then, and then it's like, create the pipe. And then again, anything that you're doing, that's just repetitive, like automate it, just take the time and get the automated system in place. So uh, yesterday I, I was, I, I have this new mastermind that I'm running and I'm looking into like AI tools to do a transcript so people can see it. So that's, that's a great example of like, Oh, I just need to do that. So I'll do that this afternoon is look into zoom transcripts so I can give that to my people who miss it and they can, you know, jump to the right sections of the um, recording to see, you know, what we're talking about. So little things like that always are coming that I'm looking for ways to improve efficiency. Yeah. No, I, I love that because there's it's the eye for saving time, right? Because it's not how a lot of reps think. It's also not how a lot of leaders think, right? Leaders are like, oh, do all these things. They never take into account maybe the prep that needs to go into it, right? Something even as simple as like, all right, I want my team making 50 dials a day. And I go, great. You know what you need in order to make 50 dials a day? 50 names. Yeah. How long does it take for them to generate those 50 names and to make 50 dials a day consistently across a month? How many names do you need? How long does that take to do? Right. And like they don't have the prep time aligned. Like That's it's, it's what well, we taught That's with because um, we taught time management to my team. So we had literally like four sessions and onward about time management. One of the things I walked them through was called the two hour solution, which is one of my favorite time management strategies from a book called. Um, I'm blanking on something for success. I can't believe I'm blank. It's blue. It's Roger Seep. I can't even remember the name of it is right now, but I'll find it. Um, but it talks about green time versus red time. Green time versus red time. So the green time things that you're talking about, right? That's actually having the, the meeting. The yeah. red time is the prep. And one of the things it talks about is oftentimes reps will spend time in red where it feels like an RGA, like I'm preparing for this meeting or I'm doing some research, but it's not really the the revenue generating action. It's preparing for it, making sure we don't spend too much time in red. So now let's flip this another direction. What happens if you get thrown off? Yeah, that's fine, Ian. All right, plan my day to the meeting, like to the minute and all these tasks, but then it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. How do you get back on track? How do you pull yourself back if things yeah. do go haywire? It's it's all about I mean, you got to give yourself grace. I'll say that first is you, progress over perfection, making sure you're realizing like these habits have been ingrained with you for your whole life. So you're not just going to be able to flip the switch and turn into a robo productive KD or Ian Koniak right out the gate, right? I've been spending years and years trying to get to this place where I genuinely am exhausted at the end of the day. And I've only worked a eight or nine hour a day because it's intense work and that's how it should feel. That's a good thing. Okay. That shouldn't be once a month. I feel great. No, that should be every day. Mm-hmm. That's how you become very successful. So yeah. fundamentally, if you, if you get out of sorts, if you've been out of sorts forever, you should, I mean, that should feel normal for you because that's, mm-hmm. that's just your norm. But if you're actually if you're, real quick, I actually want to jump in there real quick. Don't lose that thought. Where should someone start? I actually think this is very yeah. important to like, cause if you've been out of sorts for a while, which is, most people, if we're being honest, where do you recommend someone starts with what you're talking about right now? Because I think sometimes this even overwhelms people, the idea of getting organized and it becomes too much. All right, I've been chaotic for most of my life. How do I start doing some of the things you're talking about? For me, what I 
started with, well, it started with getting off Adderall and I'm like, oh my gosh, my brain is going crazy, going all these directions. I, I got to do something. Um, so yeah, that's a different story, but, but I would, I would start with some, with some books, honestly, there, there's a couple really good books because time management and habits are intertwined. It's it, time management is good habits of planning and consistently execute what you plan. Okay. And making sure you're planning the right things. Um, a great book to start is Atomic Habits uh, with, with James Clear, one of my one of my favorites. Um, another great book is The Power of Habit. Now, the, you know the 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 Atomic Habits is like you know really like tactical. Here's what you need to do to start building good habits and build upon. Power of Habit is more like more I'd say theoretical in terms of like what causes us to go into bad habits. And it's typically when we're doing things or we have to do things that we don't like doing or don't want to do. Cause it's very easy to jump on a phone with a client. If you're in sales and talk to them, have a great conversation, talk to your boss, talk to your friends, cause you're social potentially. And that's easy for you. It might be a lot harder to do deep research on a, a strategic account that you're trying to crack into. Right. So, so the, the cool thing about the power habit is, is it really does, um, help understand what are the cues and the triggers that cause us to go to the bad habits and how can we actually fix our, our patterns in, in that place. I know for me, I used to go to bad habits or procrastination when I had a big project and, and the story I would tell myself about that was like, this is going to be so hard. This is going to be so hard. And I would make it hard because I, I basically built it up and I would procrastinate and then I made it really hard and I pull an all-nighter and that will never happen again. So just mm -hmm. understanding why we do things, a lot of times we're just resisting things that we don't feel like doing. And, and success means consistently doing the things you don't want to be doing. So that truly is, it's not all glory, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, or when you're in sales, right? There's parts that are glorious, but a lot of it's just showing up every day. So fundamentally, I think a great place to start are, are those two books. And then and then the, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is also a fantastic book on habits, time management, prioritization. Um, if, if you're going to take one tactic to start with, I would say this. For me, what I really, really value is just before the day starts, do your single, what are the critical things to get done, and then block it off in your calendar. And so it's staring you in the face and you see it. And what'll happen naturally is maybe you don't execute. Maybe you still procrastinate, even though it's blocked off. Okay. But then you do it again and you're, you're going to get pissed at yourself and say, I, I'm, I don't feel good. I said I was going to do this. I'm going to keep my word to myself. And then maybe you do it halfway. And then the next day you do it again. And eventually when you keep planning every day, you get better and you grow. And all of a sudden it becomes a game for you. Now, for anyone who wants to gamify this, the 12-week year is a great way to do that. The 12-week year is a system. It's a book. And that's what I use where you actually score yourself at the end of the week and you see how many of these critical tasks that I get done that I set out to do in the week and you're trying to get over 85%. I know for me, that's always a battle to do what I set out to do. Um, but but the books and it, books are great resources to start. And then accountability partners are also great resources because the 12 week year, you're part of a weekly accountability meeting, a wham, with a few people doing it together. And then you could actually have some buddies or friends that you can share your score. And, and, and if you scored 20% of, and only did two of the 10 things you set out to do, that's going to be embarrassing if you have to go tell your friends about it. So you do it 12 week straight, you're, you're going to be a different person. So that's something I have all my clients on is the 12 week year because it forces that discipline 
discipline. It forces that planning. And frankly, it's just like anything else. Once you get in the habit of discipline and planning, that's your norm. Your norm isn't procrastination anymore. Your norm isn't retreating and just avoiding the stuff you want to do. It's actually going and doing the hard things because it's not hard anymore. It's just normal. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love that. I remember the book about this, Train Your Brain for Success. I was like, how did I forget that book? Like I've recommended it a hundred times, but I love like Train Your Brain for Success. Also like the Pomodoro Method is a great one. Getting Things Done by David Allen's a good one. Of just like how to get tactical with this time management because it is it's like you can get so much more done and then it does it frees you up right because you've mentioned this around boundaries and it sounds like this is how you're thinking through it like i would often ask my reps or managers what would you do if you couldn't work from home like and when i say work from home i mean after hours right obviously we all work from home now but it's like all right what if quite literally you got locked out of all systems after seven hours what would you spend your time on in those seven hours? Like, and helping that prioritize. You only got seven versus to your point, we fill that day up. Like it always concerned me when I would hear reps like, oh, I'm working like 10 hours a day. And I'm like, on what? Yeah. Like what, you can't work for 10 hours a day and actually be doing it on the right things. Where is that time going? Right. So then how else is this then ingrain other places? Because you made a post recently about like, you know, work life balance, work life integration, like kind of how that works. Like, how does this bleed on to the call it the personal side too, around like focus and intention and everything there? I think um, when you build the identity of being a hard worker, that is an identity that needs to stay with you in all areas of life. You don't just stop becoming a hard worker. So I'm a hard parent right? Not hard as in strict, but like I am really trying to be present with my kids. I'm trying to, yesterday, it's a Thursday night. We we went on a bike ride and took them, you know, took them hiking. And then we went to dinner together as a family. And my wife was super happy and I'm happy. The kids are happy. He maxed my, my son's like, this is the best day ever. And, and it was a Thursday. So you can't be you know, fundamentally so strict where you're like in this stressed out mode all the time, Monday to Friday, and then turn it off and and then be a different person Saturday and Sunday. It doesn't work that way. So if you're a, a hard worker, you're going to be, you know, hardworking in all areas of, of your life. It means doing the dishes when you feel like sitting down because you want to get get it done and, and have a tidy house. It means you're you're not just taking the easy street for your personal life either. Okay. It means you're managing your finances. You're doing your investments. It looks like exercising um, on, you know, um, they say, if you want something done, give it to the busiest person, right? How, How do you manage to have a family and go to all the kids events and run a business and teach the side, right? It's because you're efficient in all times in all areas. So for me, again, work-life integration is just being efficient on my weekends too and, and, and um, doing it in the right way, like doing it with, okay, I'm not just sitting around the house doing nothing with my family. I'm in the, you know, we're doing the gardening or we're furniture shopping or we're going in um, this week, we're going up to Lake Arrowhead. So we're going to be gone for three days and hiking. I mean, but, but we're always doing something, right? So I see people that have a double life and they're trying to work hard on the week. And then the weekends are just totally checked out or the nights are checked out. They hit the bong the first thing and they're just gone. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is my relaxed time. But th- that is literally a, a identity conflict. You can't be both. How you do one thing is how you do everything. So for me, work-life integration means being consistent in all areas of your life and staying true to your values, right? If you're a hard worker, if you have tough conversations in your 
work life, you're going to have to have tough conversations in your personal life. It means showing up authentically, you know, for your friends and your family and your customers the same way. It means being the same person everywhere you go, whether you're on Katie's podcast or whether I'm with my wife there, you're getting the same version. That's what I mean by work-life integration. No, I, I like that because it's it's like who you are is who you are. And right. leaning into that and owning that is important, right? Like my, my biggest thing with all this is just intention, right? Like what is my intention right now, right? Because is my, is my intention to relax? Then okay, but I'm actually doing relaxing with intention, right? Just vegging out on the couch watching Netflix for five hours is not actually relaxing with intention. That's not recharging in any way, right? That's just vegging out. And then you wonder why that energy doesn't come back. And I just think that's so, so important. As we start to come up on time, what else? What haven't we talked about yet around time management and focus management and energy management that you've seen work very well for you and the people you work with and coach? I will say this. Um, the, the big thing that I think fuels efficiency and working and, and actually um, executing the day has nothing to do with, with time management skills. It, it fundamentally has to do with optimizing your energy, okay? Mm-hmm. And when I, when I say this, I mean I am lean. I run. I eat, I drink a shake in the morning, an energy shake with enzymes and probiotics and greens. I drink a shit ton of water. Um, I get rest every night, no matter what. You you can't work efficiently if your brain is foggy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, the component of self-care in truly making sure that I'm connecting my body, my mind, and my soul to what matters is how I get my energy. So that's a combination of, you know, my, my physical health. It's a combination of having the right connections in my, my family and making sure the home front is going well and addressing things. Cause if I'm have shit on my mind, that's personal and, and fighting with my wife, or whatever, that's going to come into work. So yeah. you, you have to take care of the holistic, you know, you're, you're, it's like your body's a car and you've got to give it like the premium gas and make sure you're fueled so you can perform. Right. And you're going to run out of gas eventually if you're just driving and not, taking care of not maintaining the car and not putting the right fuel in it. So getting the routine consistently that consists of things that fuel your, your body, body, your mind, and your soul, I think is so important. So for me, again, having my, you know, spiritual routine, my daily prayer, or whether it's journaling or meditation or whatever you do to fuel that kind of true purpose, that inner self of like knowing who you are and connecting to that, that that's key physical exercise, and of course, the people, connecting with people that give you energy on a consistent basis. When you do that, you are primed and you're going to feel good when you're working. And frankly, you're going to work a lot more efficiently. Efficiently. So that's that's what I would add as a final. Is like Take care of yourself so you can take care of your work. Yeah, I, I love that, right? And the same idea, we talked about this a lot with my org, is like, you know, Work-life integration or work-life balance. I was like, that. it makes it sound like work and life are on two opposite ends of a teeter-totter. It's not how it works. Try having a great home life if work is awful. And try having a great work life if home is awful. It doesn't work. Like, they bleed into each other 100%. And so doing that, and I love the call out to energy, right? Because I, I've talked about this a lot. I think there was a post you saw, right? So such thing as time management. You can plan your time. But management actually comes down to focus and energy. 
That's right. Where do you focus your energy, right? Like that's what you're actually managing is how much energy do I have and where am I applying my focus and that what bleeds into the time. So as we wrap on this, I actually get to flip the question because normally I ask at the end of the, the podcast, you know, this is live better, sell better. What's your live better advice? This whole session has been on living better. So I get to flip it with you and say, what's your sell better advice? before we wrap up because you've done amazing things in the sales world too. So everything we just talked is like, this applies everything, sales, life, whatever on time management, focus management. What's your parting piece on sales, like selling better? What would be your parting thought to people listening there? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really simple. And that is, is this, and I'm going to steal, I think uh, maybe it's from Zig Zig Ziglar, um, his quote, but uh, he says, if you help enough people get what they want, you're going to get what you want. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really simple. Don't make it about you, right? When my ego is shining in a meeting, when I'm making about my goals and what I want, I'm doing the talking, I am always repelling the customer. But when I'm genuinely trying to help and being curious and just having conversations geared around understanding where they may need, may need help and if they even need my help in the first place and then coming up and sharing how I can help them, Everything else works. So help others what get what they want. Don't make it about you and watch the sales like really shine. Just it's all about other people, not yourself. <laughs> I, I love it. Zig Ziglar. You can get anything you want in life as long as you help other people get what they want first. And that Absolutely. was the opening line to one of his um, sales books. And I've always loved that since. So Ian, my man, where can people get more of you? Where are you putting out content? What are you working on right now? Like where can people get more of what you're putting down right now? Yeah, I, I think uh, best place is LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn for sure. Um, if you're interested in sales coaching, um, go to untappedyoursalespotential.com. There's a wait list there. Um, we're closed for the year, but um, you can get on the wait list. I'll let you know when the new cohort comes out, uh, untappedyoursalespotential.com. I got a YouTube channel, Ian Koniak is the name. And then I have a newsletter. Uh, so if you just connect on LinkedIn, I'll get you all those resources. Shoot me a DM. Um, we can chat there and let me know how I can support you. Hell yeah, my man. Well, we'll probably do for a part two on this for sure. So I'm sure we'll team up on some stuff here, but I appreciate you, man. Thank you for the energy and insights today, man. It was really, really good stuff. Thanks for having me. And I love chatting with you and love what you're doing too. So let's do it again for sure. Hell yeah, my man. We'll make it happen.